Good morning, Mosaic, soon to be the Hub City Church family. We're so glad you've decided to join us in worship this morning. If you're new to our church, we exist to make disciples who believe the gospel, abide in Christ, and obey the word of God. If you'd like more information about our vision, or you want to get connected through community groups, or if you'd like to find an opportunity to serve, you can text the word Mosaic to 97000 and we'll follow up with you in the next few days. Easter is just around the corner. We have an Easter outreach, Good Friday night of worship, and service on Easter Sunday with lunch afterwards out in the backyard. As always, stay tuned for all of the details that are to come via social media and the Church Center app. And now, as we're about to enter into corporate worship, if you're concerned about having little ones in service with you, we want you to be at ease. We love kids, and we have a lot of them here. There are coloring sheets in the back of the sanctuary. Our kids' ministry is always available to you. And we have a nursing mother's room with our service streaming live just outside the lobby to the left. Again, we're glad you're here. Let's worship Jesus together. Church. We are in the midst of a transition. We are changing our name. We're rebranding. That's all the changes you're seeing around our building and our property. We are changing our name. It's almost done. It's almost complete. Uh, on the week of Easter, we will reemerge as the Hub City Church. So, yeah, yeah, God is good. We're so excited. And uh, really, that, that the reason we decided to change the name, we're coming up on our 15-year anniversary, and the name Mosaic uh, has just been a little confusing to some folks through the years, and so uh, we don't ever want to be confusing about anything that we're saying. We want to be clear. Um, something as important as a name, we certainly want that to be clear. Um, so while we'll say it, we'll look like, what's that about? You know, like, the Hub City Church is very clear. Uh, we are a church for the Hub City, for Crest Street. Uh, we want to get the gospel out uh, here in the Hub City. So that's, that's the name change, if you uh, I've been wondering about that. Just a few uh, announcements really quick. Uh, the first one is Easter. We're going to have a lot going on for Easter. That, uh, I don't know, maybe like nine days or so. We're going to start out with an outreach that we do every year. Um, that's our Easter in the Park outreach. We have um, partnered with the city of Crestview for um, several years running now, perhaps four or five years. Um, and we really kind of like do all the setup and all the teardown for their big um, Easter egg hunt that they do in Twin Hills Park. It's like 20,000 eggs. Uh, and we, you know, we get all those strewn out there. They're not really hidden. You just kind of take big trash bags of eggs and, you know, across the field. And so that's really fun. And so uh, we do that. But we also, man, you know, we, we don't want to compete with the city's Easter Okay, like the city is doing a great thing uh, for our community, for our kids, particularly the Parks and Rec. Uh, department and does city sports and all that. And so we just said, man, how can we partner with our city? 
Um, how can we be for our city? And the way to do that, uh, we have decided is to obviously help serve, get that Easter egg hunt set up and torn down. But also, uh, we try to add value in the midst of that. There's two, really two, there's a division of two different fields where they do the hunts. The little kids go on the small uh, soccer field, the bigger kids go on the big football field. And so, right there in the middle, where you have the outside basketball course, we set up with our tents and we do uh, cornhole and we do face painting and uh, we give out water, you know, because it's you know, that season where it couldn't be a little hot, you know, maybe at that point. And so uh, we just want to serve and love our city um, leading up to Easter. And so um, also that becomes a really great opportunity as we're standing around and greeting people and talking to families out there. That gives us an opportunity to have gospel conversations. Hey, do you know Jesus? That's why we're here. Uh, that's what Easter is all about. Um, let us tell you about Jesus. And if people will let us, we'll have invite cards to uh, church. They can join us for Easter. That's that's kind of a kind of the, the thing. That's the outreach part of it. So we're serving the city. And we're also striving to talk with anyone about Jesus who will hear about him. So hope you'll join us for that on the Church Center app. Uh, if you have that, as well as our social media pages, uh, you can find a sign up to volunteer for that. Uh, that egg hunt and for that event. And so uh, every year we, we have like 20 plus volunteers come out and we need that many. So I think we got four signed up right now. So um, a few more of you guys could jump in there. That would be awesome. I'll be there. Um, all of our leadership will be there. It's a really fun time. We hope you'll join us for that. Also, a night of worship is going to be on the, the 7th. It's a good Friday night of worship. It'll run uh, just about an hour, but it's going to be a time of really mostly singing um, and worship uh, focused on really what Good Friday is all about, uh, the death of our Savior on our behalf on the cross, okay? So we're going to be focused on that. It's kind of a, honestly, kind of a, um, there's a sorrowful joy in that atmosphere, okay? So it's a bit uh, somber because we are remembering the death of Christ during that time um, and singing our praises unto him for his sacrifice uh, for us. And uh, and then obviously Easter Sunday on the 9th. But you guys join us for that 10 a.m., here, uh, as as always, uh, we will do a big like barbecue lunch in the backyard out there. Kids can play, you can eat barbecue. It's going to be good. Kids can also do a little eggplant in the back, and it's just going to be a really good time. Great to invite your uh, family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, anybody you want to invite to church. Um, you can invite them anytime, but that's usually Easter's a good time to invite. And uh, yeah, I'd love to like fill that evangelism tube up. And, you know, like it's kind of it's been sitting there about midway for a few weeks. Let's fill that thing up for Easter. I think that'd be a good idea. So invite invite people to church. All right. Let's, uh, oh, one more thing. Church merch. Most of it's here. You ordered it. Um, some of it's not. It's all scheduled to be here beginning of next week. So what we're going to do is if you pre-ordered, we're going to pack all that up for you so we can get it all to you at one time. Um, if you did not pre-order, don't worry. There'll be extra. You can purchase next week. We'll have the shirts, the hats, the everything will all be here so um, you can get that stuff ready you know especially for easter and wear that stuff on the easter outreach okay that's it i think officially announcements missing anything no okay all right good all right let's jump back into our teaching series in the book of proverbs called get wisdom uh proverbs is as i've said several weeks running is a critical book of the bible for anyone who desires to live a godly and um, well-ordered life as it offers a ton of kind of bite-sized sayings that aid us in our day-to-day -day wisdom for Christian living. 
to kind of boil that down, we've said this association is focused on spiritual growth, and we're currently in a little kind of like a mini series within the big series. It's four weeks that we're discussing four of the most common and destructive, uh, deadly, if you will, sins that those of us um, who are wise will seek to identify and uproot from our hearts. And so far, we've discussed pride, we've discussed anger. And so today, we're going to have some more fun, and we're going to talk about lust. Um, okay, I'm being a little facetious there. Um, I do love to have fun together as a church family, but the goal today is not fun. The goal is for us to hear the truth of God's Word together about an incredibly harmful and yet common sin pattern, and to repent of it so that we can grow more into the image of Christ as the new redeemed people that he has made us to be, which in the end is going to produce greater joy in our lives. And perhaps in a roundabout way, that leads to more fun. I don't know. Rabbit trail. Anyway, uh, hopefully that sounds good to you. If it does, then let's go ahead and pray, and we'll do it. Um, just before I pray, I want to make sure this is clear. Um, I will be speaking to adults today. Um, about this sensitive topic. So if you're not ready to talk to your kids about that topic, uh, to the degree that I'll be discussing it, we do have our kids' ministry available to you, um, as always. All right. If you feel comfortable, then that's just fine. They can be in here. So uh, let's pray. Father, you are such a good father. The best father. The one who defines father for us. And we thank you for how in your fatherly nature toward us you have been so kind, so gracious, so merciful, and so patient. God, we affirm that you have given us everything that we need and more, as well as sufficient direction in your word for how to steward it all. So we, we praise you for that, but Lord, now as we get into one of the most amazing gifts that you have given us, Lord, please help, because like with um, all really good things, as sinners, we tend to try to uh, take it and use it in ways that um, don't acknowledge you. And in doing so, we uh, cause a lot of painful problems for ourselves and for others. Lord, you know my heart today as a man who once was deeply entrenched in the very sin that I will be preaching on this morning. And Jesus, you rescued me, you redeemed me, you showed me that your way is so much better, shame-free, and full of life. So Lord, would you help this sinful man to lovingly appeal to other sinful men and women and proclaim the gospel as the way forward, the way of redemption that brings you, you glory and brings us joy. God, as always, my prayer is that I would decrease and that love for and trust in you would increase among those who desire to hear and obey your word. pray all of this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Okay, well let me just uh, start off by um, resounding the really the, the heart of my prayer as has been uh, the heart of our worship this morning by just saying, man, uh, God is so good, isn't he? God is so good. Uh, at the Hub City Church, we believe that one of the best ways to describe God is how he has described himself in his word as Father. Okay, 
God is the perfect Heavenly Father, and we come to believe the Gospel and trust in His Son, Jesus, for salvation and forgiveness of our sin, and we are reconciled back into right relationship with God and His perfect design for our lives and into His family, okay, we become children of God, right? Sons and daughters of God. And in that particular aspect of our new identity in Christ, we believe that God has given us all of the blessings that life has to offer for us to enjoy. And, get this part, um, for it to not stop with enjoyment alone, but for our enjoyment of the good gifts of God to roll up into worship of Him as the, as the God who is good and whose goodness and wisdom when experienced uh, through the good things He has made right, causes us to worship Him. Have you ever thought about this? Let me just, I often consider this deeply when I'm in the midst of some experience um, that is unique and particularly delightful, okay? Like, I'll, I'll never forget, a few years back, Amy and I went uh, to Jamaica for a special anniversary trip, and we were um, eating dinner one night uh, on a little gazebo at the end of a long dock, and Amy, my wife, just looked radiantly beautiful, okay, um, as she always does, but in that particular moment, okay, just, just radiant, right? And uh, on the plate in front of me was a good filet. All right, brothers, it was a good filet. That's exciting. Okay, and behind my wife was a sunset and just the vast open ocean. And all I could think and feel in just an overwhelming way in that moment was, wow. God, you are so good. If these are just the things that you have made for man to enjoy, then you yourself must be the absolutely uh, and, and unfathomably most, most glorious being imaginable. Right? And so right there at dinner, my heart and my soul was caught up, so to speak, in worship and in praise of our good God who is so loving and so merciful to give us good things that are just a foretaste of who He is and what He is like. Amen? Amen. Okay. Now stay with me, because I'm going to make a hard shift into what you know we're talking about today. Sex is a really great thing that God has given to us. And all the married people said, Amen. Right? Okay. Um, I am not being crude or crass. I'm just telling you the truth about sex that we see in the Bible. Okay? Sex is, yes, on one hand, um, the incredible, miraculous way that God has given to us to be fruitful and, and multiply and build families, okay? But that is not all that sex is. Um, here's my biblical definition of sex for our purposes today. Sex is a beautiful gift from God to married couples, a deeply intimate way 
of loving and enjoying one another as well as profoundly glorifying Him. If you have not ever dipped your toes into the water of the Old Testament book, the Song of Solomon, there is some stuff in there that will make you blush, okay? Um, it is Hebrew poetry written by Solomon and his wife describing their wedding night, and they are enjoying one another spiritually, emotionally, and physically, okay? Um, it is not inappropriate in any way. It's not a like a dirty romance novel, okay? Um, but it is explicit. Yes, romance novels are dirty, and if you read them, you should stop, all right? But anyway, um, but um, Song of Solomon is explicit in certain places in that it's talking about the enjoyment of sexual intimacy within the confines of the relationship of a husband and a wife. And it is a beautiful thing. Sex is the pinnacle of intimate physical pleasure for two people who have covenanted together in marriage before God. Okay? It is the consummation of the physical one flesh union that God designed for us to have with our spouse for life. Okay? Um, it's a way of loving one another, serving one another, enjoying each other. It's the way of saying, I am yours, and you are mine, and I'm not going anywhere. What God has joined together in our holy union, no one can separate. No one is more beautiful to me, important to me, close to me than you. And friends, I'm not being weird or overly spiritual. Married sex is meant to be good. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be incredibly enjoyable. And it's meant to roll up into worship of the God who gives such gifts. Marriage in general, but sex within marriage. Friends, biblically, it's not meant to be gross. It's meant to be pure because it's a reflection of the gospel and the spiritual intimacy that exists ultimately between Christ and his church. Okay, here's what Ephesians 5 says. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Get this. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. 
This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So, um, that's what sex is about. That's what sex is about. Maybe you're thinking, um, okay, duh, uh, we know what sex is, thank you. Um, Let me just tell you, Our culture does not understand what sex is or what it is all about. And they are getting farther and farther away from it every single day. So I started by defining sex because it's tough to talk about deviations from God's design if we don't first state down what God's design actually is, all right? Now, good news. Um, The Bible is not out of date or irrelevant. God knew that there were going to be sinful deviations from his design, and so his word addresses it. His word hits it head on, okay? And Proverbs has a lot to say about deviating from the biblical model for married sexual intimacy. In fact, whole chapters, entire chapters, early on in Proverbs, have been devoted to it, and here's why. Because human beings have a way of taking something as amazing as sex, and rather than worshiping the God who made it, worshiping it as if it were God. You know how I know that? One word. Porn. Porn. Let me read you a stat you can easily find online about the pervasiveness of pornography. 40 million U.S. adults regularly visit internet pornography websites. 10% of U.S. adults admit to having an addiction to internet pornography. 17% of all women struggle with porn addiction. And because of the natural shame that is felt around sexual sin, these numbers are likely much higher. Okay? Um, these are just the people who are bold enough to be honest about it. Guys, um, porn is an epidemic of seismic proportions. The porn industry is reportedly as large as the NFL, drawing as much, if not more, profit. And it is an industry built on the sin of lust. So let me read uh, Proverbs 5 in its entirety to you. Because I think um, Proverbs 5 is the proverb that best encapsulates the goodness of married sex as well as the danger and the folly of sexual desire outside of the context of marriage. I want to preface this by saying, uh, while Proverbs is notably male-oriented in its language, a father speaking to a son, okay? These things are just as applicable to women, all right? Let's read it, Proverbs 5. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, that you may keep discretion, and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey. Her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet 
go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless, lest strangers take their fill of your strength, and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and your body are consumed, and you say, how I hated discipline, and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. So he's not really talking about fountain. You follow me? Okay. All right. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always with her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he's held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Church, lust is a deadly sin. Lust is a deadly sin. It's not no big deal. It's not just window shopping. It is deviant, and it is demonic. Okay? If sex is a beautiful gift from God to married couples, a deeply intimate way of loving and enjoying one another, as well as profoundly glorifying Him, Okay, listen to this. Lust is the sinful counterfeit. Lust is the sinful counterfeit. It is sexual desire that dishonors the object and disregards God. Okay. I got this language and much of my articulation of the topic of lust from Pastor Robert John Piper because his, teach, his teachings have been instrumental to me in this area. Um, when we take sex out of marriage, where it belongs, whether it be actual physical intimacy or just in our thoughts, okay, we strip sex of its beauty and dignity and we make it into an idol that we worship instead of God. And when we do this, here are the two results of it. The results of lust or sexual immorality, it dishonors its object, and it disregards God. So let me expound on those one at a time. Let's go in reverse. Okay, First, lust disregards God. Now we've already seen that sex is wonderful. And God was not surprised by it. He did not look down at Adam and Eve in the garden one day in horror and exclaim, Oh, me, what are they doing? Why is he putting that there? No. No. <laughs> God came up 
with sex. Okay? It was his idea. It, sex was God's idea. That's how awesome God is. That's how awesome God is. Okay? But when we try to make our own rules for sex, and when we jailbreak it, like an iPhone, that we think we can use however we want, we basically say, like a spoiled brat who slams the door in the face of their loving parent, hey God, uh, thanks for this awesome gift, but I'm going to take it and not you. Okay? So kind of you, Lord, to give me such a great pleasure. But now, God, if you could just do me a favor and get out of my life, that would be great. Now, I know that none of us would actually verbalize those words to God, but do you see how that is what lust communicates to the God who has loved us so much and been nothing but generous to us. This is why Proverbs 5 says, Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord and he ponders all his paths. Guys, if we truly love Christ, if we truly have God as our Father and we trust Him with our lives, Jesus Himself says our love for Him will be reflected in how we obey His commands. Okay. But when we give in to lust and sexual sin, we disobey and really, we, dis we disregard God. Okay? Lust distorts and idolizes sex. And in that distortion and idolatry, it forgets God. Lust takes God off of the throne. And it makes physical pleasure the new reigning king in our hearts. Now... That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. But listen to what happens as a result. When aberrant sexual desire or lust disregards God, um, as a result, it also dishonors its object. Okay, and here's why I really like this wording. Because sex within Christian marriage, it, it sees and it serves a beautiful Soul, a person made in the image of God and, and made perfectly as a, as a companion and a, and a helpmate to us. When Adam sees Eve for the first time, she is naked and he's ecstatic. Okay? You can see that in the text. And uh, he, Adam is he's so excited about Eve that he sings. He breaks out in song. He says, at last, this one is mine. She's bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Thank you, God. And the scripture says that they were together and they were naked and they were unashamed. Right? But 
where pure marital sex sees a person to be loved, lust sees an object to be used for our self-gratification and then disposed of. Love makes a commitment. Lust is innately anti-commitment. Lust wants only to have or fantasize about sex with the person and then be done with them. Love desires the whole person, the whole package, lifelong relationship and partnership together for the glory of God. But lust just wants to take what it has no business taking and then to move on to the next. Love is satisfied and content with the person and it understands that something incredibly beautiful is built through years and and decades of enduring with them. But lust, lust never gets enough. Lust never gets enough. Lust is never satisfied with one more look, one more encounter, one more partner. Lust always wants more. And then more is never sufficient. Okay? That's why all of the stats on porn say that people who get hooked on porn, they waste hours of time looking on a weekly basis because they're just looking and they're drinking in more and more sexual imagery indefinitely. Click, 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 more, 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 next, next, next. Church, even the secular world has begun to understand that that is not healthy. That's not healthy. Obsession with sex, thinking about sex endlessly, watching other people have sex, walking around in public and and not seeing people made in the image of God, but seeing sexual objects, this is idolatry, and it runs contrary to God's design. It dishonors the object. It reduces women and men. Men are not the only ones with lust problems, people. Okay? Lust reduces women and men to objects to be groped and oogled at. It strips them, no pun intended, of their dignity and worth as precious image bearers of God. And it forgets God. It disregards God and his good design for the good gift of marital intimacy. But that's just why lust is sinful. That's just why lust is sinful. Let me tell you something else. Lust may seem innocuous. It may seem like it's not hurting anyone. It may take place under the cover of night and with little glances that you think no one sees. But the truth is, unrepentant lust will destroy your marriage, your family, your effectiveness as a gospel witness, and ultimately, it will destroy your own soul. If the warnings from Proverbs chapter 5 from a wise father to his son are not enough, listen to what Proverbs 6 and 7 go on to say. Proverbs 6 says, Can a man 
carry fire next to his chest and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. None who touches her will go unpunished. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy his appetite when he's hungry, but if he's caught, he will pay sevenfold. He will give all the goods of his house. He who commits adultery lacks sins. He who does it destroys himself. He will lose and dishonor, and his grace, or sorry, his his disgrace will not be wiped away. This speaks of the long-lasting and serious effects of sexual sin. What it will take from you. Okay. This is why Proverbs says, whoever commits adultery lacks sense. Here's my paraphrase. Adultery is stupid. Adultery is stupid. Proverbs 7 says this, speaking of a man being led astray by lust over a woman who's not his wife, it says this, it says all, all at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver, as a bird who rushes into a snare. He does not know that it will cost him his life. And now, O oh sons, listen to me and be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For many a victim has she laid low, and all her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. The she here, it's not just talking about any woman. Okay? Really, the she in this text is a, a personification of lust itself. Um, it's the way to spiritual death. Several key characters in Scripture were ruined by sexual sin. King David, who was one of the most worshipful men that we ever read about. King Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived. And Samson, who was notably strong and manly. You think you'll get away with your unrepentant sexual sin and not have it come back to kill you? You must think you're more godly than David, smarter than Solomon, and stronger than Samson. And I promise you, if you think that, lust is not the only deadly sin that you're struggling with. Pride's in there too. Church, don't mess around with sexual sin. It will ruin your marriage. It will ruin your marriage. You will wound your husband or your wife deeply, maybe irreparably. You will lose the respect of your children. Dads, how can you discipline your sons to be godly men if you yourself are wasting hours of your life in an undisciplined way staring at scantily clad women on your iPhone while your wife is sitting trustingly in the next room? How can you look at your daughters in the eye and tell them how beautiful they are and how they deserve to be treated with dignity and respect while you are lusting after girls just a few years older than them on the internet? 
You think you can be a faithful disciple of Christ and be enslaved to porn? You think you'll be a faithful evangelist when you can't even divert your eyes at the beach with your family or at Walmart when you're grocery shopping? Do you really believe that your soul is safe from eternal punishment if you are worshiping sex instead of God? If so, you are deceived. Friends, please hear me. Don't check out on me right here. I'm not saying any of this to hurt you or to offend you. I am pleading with you as a man who before knowing Christ dabbled in sexual sin himself and as a man today who still has to kill his own temptations to sin, I am pleading with you to wake up out of your sex-inebriated stupor and realize that if you are not broken over and repentant when it comes to your lust, you are in great spiritual danger. Maybe you're still unconvinced. Let me read you what Jesus himself says. He says, You have heard that it was said, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away, for it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. Guys, this is tough for me. Okay. I'm sure this is a tough room to be in right now. Um, I, I don't consider myself a fire and brimstone creature. But I do consider myself a man who strives to preach Jesus. And if you won't hear me, hear Jesus. Hear Jesus. Jesus says if you're not willing to take radical measures to be done with lust, then you are in danger of winding up in hell for eternity. It doesn't matter that you haven't actually committed adultery physically. Jesus says that lust in the mind is the same sin. Now let me qualify that. If you are repentant, if you are repentant, but, but maybe you're someone who has struggled greatly with lust in your past, but who is now following Jesus, okay, now striving, though not perfectly, to obey Him, okay, if you are someone who is living in the light and who hates their sin, I'm not really talking to you so much, brother or sister, okay? Praise God that you're in the fight, okay? Praise God that you're in the fight. I'm talking to the man or woman whose sexual sin is still in the dark and who doesn't want to give it up because they love it more than their marriage, they love it more than their kids, and let's just say it outright, they love it more than Jesus. 
I'm talking to the man or woman actively looking at porn and then pretending that everything is fine. Jesus says, if you will not kill your sexual sin, it will kill you. Church, give it up. Give it up. Lay it down. Get it out. It is not worth your eternity. Don't choose porn over your family. And don't choose loss over eternal life. Don't forfeit your soul. I'm, I'm begging you. Jesus has a better and more fulfilling plan for your sex life. And he has a better and more joyful plan for your future than that. Okay? If you're still clinging to your lust, only you know that. I don't know. You're, this is an internal thing. If you're still clinging to your lust, I don't know that, but here's what I do know. It's making you dead inside. It's making you dead inside. It's hollowing you out. I'm It's either you or lust. One has to die. Come to Jesus, and he will help you kill your lust. So let's talk about how. Let's talk about how, and then we'll close. Here are three steps to uprooting and killing lust, okay? Number one, confess it to God. Confess it to God. I think you um, know this already, but nothing in your life is hidden from the eyes of God. He's God, okay? He sees all, he knows all. So needless to say, there's nothing that you're able to hide from him. Alright? So if you want to be done with lust, the first step is to pray. Pray. Be honest with God about it. Tell him that you want to be done with lust. And that you want to worship him alone. Ask him to heal you of your sexual brokenness. Ask him to help you put that nasty thing to death. First okay. <clears throat> John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, as serious <clears throat> as lust and sexual sin are. There is no one too far from God. There's no one too far from God. There's no one too deep with sin to be saved. No one. Listen, here's what 1 John 1 9 says. It says, if you will confess and repent, God will forgive and cleanse. That's how it works. Guys, you can do that today. You can be done with the shame and the hiding today. Brother or sister who needs to be done with lust, God loves you. And he wants to help you, not hurt you. Come to him today. 
and start the process of walking in true freedom. As I, I don't care. You're not probably not going to tell me something I'm surprised to hear as a pastor. Um, but I, I don't care if you have been secretly looking at porn for 20 years. Okay? You come to Jesus today and you will not find condemnation. You will find grace and you will find redemption. Okay? <laughs> if you will lay down your lust at the foot of the cross, he will wipe away all of your guilty stains. Now listen. You might need some accountability. Okay? You might need some accountability. You might need a lot of accountability. Um, apps on your devices that restrict access and block temptations to sin. Okay, um, If you have been enslaved to this thing for a long time, you probably are going to need that stuff. Okay, But please hear me. You don't have to get it under control before you come to Jesus. Okay? Just come to Jesus. Alright? Um, you don't have to get clean before you take a shower. In the same way, you don't have to get sinless before you come to Christ. Just run to Him. Just run to Him. He can make all things new. You included. Me included. Psalm 32 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through all my, my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up. As by the heat of summer, we know what that feels like, Floridians, right? So, um, if, if you're feeling dried up and like your bones are wasting away inside because of your sexual sin, look right at me. That's called conviction. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. It means your conscience is working. God gave that to you. It means you're feeling guilt where you should feel guilty. If that's you, I, I encourage you to confess your sin to God today and receive the forgiveness that exists for you in Christ alone. Jesus hung on the cross for you. Yes, even you. To pay for your sexual sin. His sacrifice was for you. The gospel is for you. To save you. Won't you take him off on that today? Don't pass the gospel up today. It's the power unto salvation. Even for sexually sinful and broken people. Okay, that's step one. Confess your sin to God. Here's step two. Address it. Well, alliteration here. Or 
battles. Address it with those who it affects and need to know. Okay, now I, I know there's, there's you know, internally like alarms going off here. All right, I know this is challenging, but listen. Okay, part of getting your sin uprooted is dragging it out into the light. Your lust is like a fungus. It grows in the dark, right? Um, if, if you will pull it out, where trusted friends and church family can, can see it and begin to help you with it, you are well on your way to killing it, all right? Um, but, but one of your big fears might be, but what if I'm judged? What if I'm judged? Or, or, here's one. What if my spouse is really upset? No, I'm just going to be honest with you. Your spouse might be really upset. And rightly so. Okay, rightly so. But if your spouse is a Christian, and you are truly repentant, then by God's grace and with time, it's possible, it's very possible, because of the gospel, friends, it's possible to overcome hurt feelings and to rebuild trust. That is possible. It's better for you to be honest than to keep your sin bottled up inside forever. Galatians 6 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I read this as an encouragement. Okay? to two different kinds of people. Right. On one hand, <clears throat> I read this as an encouragement to those who are struggling with lust. Okay? And also as an encouragement to those who have someone that comes to you to address their lust. First, let's talk to those who are the ones addressing their own lust. Okay? The truth is, only you know this right now. You're like, oh, yeah, I don't need to do this. Okay, so the truth is, anyone who you confess to, your wife, your husband, your parents, your pastor, your community group leader, all of those people are recovering sexual sinners themselves. Um, lust is not a sin that any of us have never struggled with. We'll do an awkward hand raise uh, in spirit. Um, um, if, you, if you have never struggled with lust, never, not one time, you've never struggled with lust, raise your hand. Okay. So that's the truth. Alright, so um, lust is a sin that is common to all people. All right? um, I'm not saying that everyone is entrenched in it. Okay? I'm not saying everyone's entrenched in it currently. Okay? I'm just saying that everyone has wrestled with it one time or another. Right? So, um, if, if you are needing to address your sexual sin soon, you're in good company. You're in good company. A lot of us have had to do that. A lot of us have had to do that. Now, to those who might have someone come to you and confess their lust, 
If your spouse comes to you, or your son, or your daughter, or your friend, or whoever comes to you and confesses, depending on your relationship with them, it might be very hurtful to find out. Okay, and please hear me out. I am not minimizing that. I'm not minimizing that. Okay? But what I want you to consider <clears throat> is that, is that it, it takes a lot of guts, and usually it takes a pretty significant move of the Holy Spirit for someone to come clean about something that is so taboo in our society and in Christian culture. Okay, um, you all know this is true. Lust is something that a majority of people struggle with, but that everyone feels like they should pretend that they don't. Okay. So try to think about that. Try to think about that. If, if someone comes to you and addresses their lust with you, try to be gracious and try to be thankful that they would, first of all, confess their sin to God, and then that they would take the next step, so boldly, of coming to you in order to really put that thing to death. Okay. That said, if you need time, that's okay. It's okay. Sexual sin hurts people. It might hurt you if someone comes and confesses to you. If you need time... That's okay. Healing takes time. Particularly if it's your spouse. And if you need help processing the hurt with someone, we have leaders here who are ready and who are more than willing to help you navigate these struggles in a Christ-honoring way and work with you both towards reconciliation and restoration. The gospel does that. The gospel reconciles. The gospel restores. But sometimes you need people to come alongside you and help you with that. Okay. Numbers 5, verses 5 through 7 says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel. When a man or woman commits any of the sins that people commit with breaking faith with the Lord, and that person realizes his guilt, he shall confess his sin that he has committed and he shall make full restitution for his wrong, adding a fifth to it and giving it to him to whom he did the wrong. Guys, um, if you have been trapped in lust and sexual sin, you need to confess it to God, but you also need to make it right with anyone who it has hurt. Okay? If that's your spouse, you need to be sensitive as they tell you about the pain that it has inflicted on them. Okay? And be patient. Be patient as you listen for how you can make it right. Okay? This is not easy. This is not easy. But it is the path to healing and freedom. Okay? But after you've confessed it to God and addressed it with those who need to know, then it's time to get down to business. It's time to aggress it. Alright? Aggress it. That is, fight it like your life depends on it. Because it does. Okay? Listen to what Colossians 3 has, has to say. If, if then you have been raised with Christ, 
Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Friend, um, if you have trusted Jesus in faith, and you have repented of your sin, you are a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. You don't have time to mess around with things like lust anymore. Okay? That's what Jesus died to save you out of. So why go back? Why go back? You're dead to sin now. And you're alive to Christ. So because of that, um, as you are going to continue to live in a broken world with a heart that's still prone to uh, be tempted at times, (laughs) stay on guard against lust. Stay on guard against love. If it crops up, kill it. If you see something on Instagram or on a billboard that's a temptation, shut it down. Look the other way. Okay? These are not unspiritual responses. Okay? You don't, some, some angel's not going to fly by and pull their wing in front of your face. <laughs> Turn the app off. <laughs> if it's on a billboard, Look in front of you. Don't look at the billboard. Remember the gospel. Remember your husband or your wife who loves you and who you are one flesh with. Your marriage is a picture of the gospel and it's worth fiercely defending. Okay? If you need help with this part, ask for help. I'm not going to name names, but there are other men and other women in this body who have had to deal with very similar things to whatever you're dealing with. And I know that they would be more than happy than to lock arms with you and help you in your fight against lust. I was just meeting with some some dear friends this week who told me, this is very humbling to hear this, but they said, they, they want to be baptized. They said, Tad, one of the reasons that we have benefited from this church so much is because it's real. And people are genuine and honest about their struggles here. Um, guys, I just want to say this one more time before we close. This is a church where it is okay to not be okay. This is a church where it's okay not be okay. We just don't want you to stay that way. We just don't want you to stay that way. Okay? This is a church where we want you to know that it is safe to be a sinner. But where we will never tell you that your sin is safe. Are you following me? So, if lust is something that you are struggling with, that you need to get a handle on, just know you're in the right place. 
You're in the right place. There is abundant grace in Jesus, not only to forgive you of your sexual sin, but to empower you to change. Right? Because Jesus does not leave people in their sin. He doesn't leave people in their sin. He pulls us up, he rescues us up out of our sin, and he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can live new, repentant lives where we honor and glorify him in all things. Sex included. Okay? So, um, you don't have to be afraid in this church family. And you don't have to hide your sin. If you confess sin here, we are going to celebrate that with you, that you have confessed and you have repented. We're going to celebrate how the Lord is growing you, and we're going to help you out of the weekend. Okay? We're going to help you out of the weekend. I mean that. All right, I've talked too much to explain this. I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to post a link to a series of videos on um, our church Instagram and Facebook accounts this week. But this is an acronym for fighting the from John Piper. It's called Anthem. If you're a note taker, you're like, please tell me this point. Something's going to be okay. Um, a, avoid as much as possible. N, say no to every lustful thought within five seconds. T, turn the mind forcefully toward Christ as a superior satisfaction. H, Hold the promise and the pleasure of Christ firmly in your mind until it pushes the other images out. E, enjoy a superior satisfaction. M, move into a useful activity away from idleness. Okay. Um, one of the most helpful promises to me to cling to in the ongoing fight against lust is from the Sermon on the Mount. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 8. Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Since lust is a sin that usually starts with the eyes, it's a beautiful promise. Okay? That there is something more lovely than anything else in this whole world for us to behold with our eyes one day. For those who place their faith in Jesus, for those whose hearts have been purified by the grace and the mercy of God, one day we are going to see Him face to face. We're going to see God. This is a glorious promise. This is a superior satisfaction that I have found. Stop your lust in these tracks. I hope you'll join me in making that part of your anthem. Blessed are the pure in heart who reject the temptation to lust. Religious and God. Let's pray. Father, as I pray each week in this series of messages about deadly sin. Father, who is sufficient for these things? Not me. Not me. God, I myself am a broken man who you saved out of these very sins. Father, be merciful to me. 
please wipe away the sin of my youth. I pray for the men and women in this room that maybe today would be day they say, I'm done with lust. I'm done with that mess. And I'm running to Jesus. I'm coming clean. I'm getting out of the dark and I'm getting into the light. Because I want Jesus. I don't want to sacrifice my family and all the things I love and my own soul on the on the altar of sexual morality. Father, I pray for those men and women right now. I know the temptation is going to be strong today to walk out the door and not do anything. I pray that wouldn't happen. Father, I pray that people would be honest, that they would know that this is a church where we value honesty and where sin is not shamed, but where it's fought and killed together. For our joy, for the glory of Christ. It's in the name of